Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. And we felt like this was the perfect moment to put the show out there for people, to give them something to think about, to give them a story to take them places and transport them places, even though they couldn't physically go anywhere. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Giafferle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. So today was amazing. I got to interview, and this is not the episode you're going to be listening to, so you're going to have to stay tuned when this one comes up. But I got to interview a girl in tech, six years old, who is building robots and learning how to code, and she was amazing. Her name was Ella, and I just felt so grateful to be a part of her journey and excited to be the first like place she got celebrated publicly and it was just awesome so many thanks to her mom Esther for making it happen like Ella was the coolest and I just walked away feeling just like light and sparkly and so in touch with why I do the work that I do. I would love to hear like when you feel really energized and magnetic with the work that you do, feel free to connect with me at Esprit Devore on Twitter, at Esprit Devore on Instagram. I'd love, love, love to hear your story of like when you feel lit up. All right, enjoy the next episode. Welcome! 
the Women in Tech podcast celebrating women in tech around the world. Today, we have Stacy from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I love it. Stacey, so we met a few months ago, and it is very exciting to have you on your show. Why don't we kick things off with you sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am the CEO of Frequency Machine, which is a podcast production and distribution company in Los Angeles. So we make podcasts that are narrative. Um, we make scripted fiction. We make uh, travel podcasts. And we distribute widely to everywhere you find podcasts um, and also to platforms that are you know, walled in like Spotify and Audible. And what got you interested in uh, frequency? Like, wh- when did you start taking interest in the technology of audio? So we were, as a team, um, actually the content team behind an app called Detour. And Detour was a location-based audio app that put basically podcasts, mapped them to real world, world locations, and allowed you to have this amazing immersive experience because the story was location-based and it it knew where you were the entire time. And in the process of doing that, we were working really closely with the engineering team, putting together this product that had all of this functionality to it um, and was really dynamic. And it was an amazing experience. And we came out of that realizing that, A, in audio, there was so much opportunity for storytelling and it was just a fantastic medium. And we felt like we could sort of further that mission of, of tying people, bringing people into a place Place and allowing them to experience something wonderful. And was Detour also in Los Angeles? Detour was actually out of um, San Francisco. Um, that's where they were headquartered. Um, Detour itself was sold to Bose and it spun off a company called Descript, um, which we still work with, actually. Descript is huge. I mean, just mm-hmm. because I mean, just because I'm all things podcasting, can you just give us a little sampling of like what D- Descript is? Yeah, Descript is amazing. It's this, first and foremost, it's a transcription tool. So it allows you to put your audio from anything into this AI processor and it turns around a remarkably accurate transcription. And then you can edit that transcription. You can edit the audio within it by moving the words around within this tool. And it, for us, we use it all the time. It really shortcuts a lot of our production process because that's how we put all of our shows together. Um, Let's j- dive into your story. When did you first realize you were in love with technology? Ooh. So I come from uh, I come from a content production background. I went to film school originally, um, and I came out of, of film school with this uh, amazing appreci- appreciation for all of the tools and all of the technology that allowed us to do these remarkable things. And so I ended up working in television for a long time um, and and doing a lot of, of work with tech and alongside tech. And it wasn't until I joined Detour and and really got immersed in the startup culture of technology that it was it was just a phenomenal experience. And what was your what was your first kind of when you enter in a new world, everything kind of feels complicated and foreign naturally because we don't know all the dynamics of the new world. So what was the first hurdle that you overcame in becoming a tech professional? Um, so I think that there was a, a kind of a paradigm shift for me coming from television into a startup tech world. And there were a lot of ways in which we worked in TV and a lot of processes that were improved so much in tech um, that really shortcutted a lot of like the bullshit 
bullshit that <laughs> I was used to dealing with and got to solutions faster and answers faster and analyzed where the problem was faster. And a lot of, you know, it was a really great way to work with people. And that I think is, is sort of one of the remarkable things when you think about technology and, and you don't think about the people behind it. And really what's so wonderful about being in this medium is that people are fantastic and, you know, so smart and so, you know, driven. And that was a wonderfully creative environment to be in. I, I always ask this question and I kind of, in another way, I asked the question just now, but I'd like to like level up the question a little bit. In your career thus far, like what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Mm. Well, there are so many. <laughs> um, we raised uh, a venture capital round for our company um, and that, that for was a for very- For a frequency machine. For frequency yeah. machine, yeah. Um, and that was a really significant hurdle. Um, a, because we are first and foremost a content company. And in general, it's quite hard to raise venture capital against something that's purely content that doesn't have that tech component already built in. And you know, we would like to go that direction, but our immediate mission was to create really compelling content. So overcoming that hurdle was, first and foremost, it was a matter of confidence. It was saying, no, we actually really have something to offer. We have a unique point of view. We're coming at this with an expertise that we feel like can really offer something to this environment and then believing that you can do it. And I think in particular for women, that is a big hurdle. And, you know, getting around that and getting to a place where we could confidently pitch the company and that was mostly me. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and be able to get people to invest in us. And how much did you raise? Um, we raised uh, 500000 for our start as our seed round. And what would you say is the core element in your presenting that you was almost like your presenting superpower? Like in what was the core element that was really like the magic of your presentation to lead the investors to say yes? Mm. This is a one, this is one where I, I really think you hear a lot of people talk about this, but I think it's really important to remember that you have to present to the people that you want to invest in you a reason that you can accomplish this goal that you're setting out. You have to come at it with a strategic advantage that you have. And it can't just be, this is something that I really, really, really want to do. <laughs> You know, you have to be able to pitch your strategic advantage in a way that people believe that you can accomplish it. Um, totally. And that that was definitely something that I think made the difference for us. Walk us through Frequency Machine. Um, who is your target audience and what problems are you solving? So um, our target audience is people that are curious, people that are inspired by travel, people that love to hear stories about the world, you know, people that are interested in, in that sort of premium level narrative storytelling that might be excited about watching, you know, something that Anthony Bourdain does or, you know, something of that genre. And that core demographic of people is is where we we really live, I think. And the problem that we're solving, we hope, is that in the audio in the podcast space right now, there is very little out there for people that are interested in travel content at a premium level. There are a handful of travel podcasts out there that are travel logs that are tips and tricks about how to use your airline miles and all of that stuff is great, but it's not what we do. We're going to tell you a fascinating story about someplace in the world. So with COVID happening, 
have you had to kind of be flexible? I mean, since you deliver premium travel content, like have you had to shift a little bit? Um, what have you been doing to respond and overcome the challenges that, you know, this pandemic has brought to the table? A hundred percent. That is a really important question that we've been wrestling with for several months. And we initially had a a podcast, um, like a really fantastic, really high level podcast called Passport that was supposed to launch a couple of months ago. And then COVID hit and travel became like a four letter word. Like it was synonymous with danger. It Nobody wanted to think about it. Nobody wanted to do it. It was terrifying. And we thought, well, it was at best, it was going to be insensitive to launch a travel podcast in this in this environment. So we held it back. We didn't launch it. We pulled all of the marketing. Um, we pushed everything. And we chose to launch it actually about three weeks ago now, sort of at the, the top of May. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we, we launched uh, at the top of May, um, Passport. And we felt like in that moment, we felt like people were starting to look for other things to think about, to be able to think about the future, to think about the moment where they could travel again. There was this aspirational feeling that was coming into the the zeitgeist a little bit. And they were looking for content that wasn't 24-7 news, that wasn't COVID all the time. And we felt like this was maybe the perfect moment to put the show out there for people, to give them something to think about, to give them a story to take them places and transport them places, even though they couldn't physically go anywhere. And so we added in some content into all of the earlier episodes to, you know, to say, to explain why we were doing this, why we were putting the show out and why we felt it was important. And then we actually produced an episode um, called Love in the Time of Corona, which is this look nice. at <laughs> look at love stories around the world of all different kinds. Um, you know, all of these different moments of love and connection, because the show at its core is really about connecting people. That We are all more alike than we are different, all of those messages, totally. right? And if you can connect people across the world with a culture, with a people that they don't know, all of a sudden, it builds some empathy and that allows you to like at its core be a better person right um and that's what the show we think really does for people and so this was an episode that was very very much at its core about connecting people i love it what what is your dream vision for frequency machine like what if you had your dream outcome scenario you know a year or a few years from now what does that look like um so Our dream is to build the network into a large enough network that we really own this particular space that we're in, this travel space that we're in, and also be able to do, you know, other kinds of content that we really love. You know, we've got a true crime show and some other stuff out there that we feel really passionate about, but to really build a travel brand of the company. Um, And then, you know, at a certain point down the line, we're definitely open to acquisition. And that would be our ultimate goal. And how many people are in your team now? So we have a small core team in Los Angeles. um, That's, you know, maybe like half a dozen people. And then we have teams of people assigned to different shows around the world. So Passport is run out of Barcelona. So there's a team of about half a dozen people in Barcelona that produce that show. There's a team right now in Houston and in New York and here in LA. And that's how we get everything done. 
One of my favorite like OG questions to ask is what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten? And I actually want to change the way that I ask it because like the best piece of advice, it's like we're always getting such great advice. And then I usually disclaim myself and then say that. And it's just, I hear myself <laughs> saying it so many times. I feel like for everybody listening, it must be a broken record too. So I don't know how I'm reframing it yet, but the end goal is that you share advice that has been really meaningful to you in your career. Okay. You're going to have to give me a second to like find one that I really You're think is allowed. important. Because <laughs> um, like you said. I'll buy you time. One of my faves. Um, actually, I'll bring up the one. You know what? I just was talking to a friend. I will bring up the one my therapist taught me a few months ago that's been really, really great in both my personal and business relationships. So in business, um, as Stacey, I'm sure you've experienced too, um, we have a lot of things that don't work out the best, <laughs> you know, and we constantly have to overcome those. And so, um, for me, I found that in later years of business, I start to sometimes feel like a air of resentment or upsetness when someone says, you should do this thing. And I'm like, oh, everybody has an idea. And like, don't they know I already tried that and it didn't work. And then it pulled up all these emotions for me. And then what my therapist taught me a few months ago is just because someone has an idea or an opinion, it doesn't mean it has to define me. It doesn't mean it has to equate to my value. I don't even need to take it. I could just hear it and like let it go, absorb it, but it doesn't have to define who I am. And I thought that that was a really, um, like that's the kind of piece of advice that like has been really absorbing with me more and more and more as it like marinates into like my way of being. And so now, like say someone's giving me a piece of advice on a phone call or something and it's really not jiving with me, I remind myself that there's no need to get defensive because they're showing up on this phone call to be supportive of me. Like that's their whole intent. And if they have some other intent, I'm probably not aware of it. So I'm pretty like I'm pretty confident that they just want to support me and see me do well. And they are just sharing from their life experience and from their narrative and from where they've come from what they believe to be the most useful thing for me at that time. And whether it is useful or not is irrelevant. It just, I like, I have now received the information and I can do what I'd like with it, but I definitely don't have to get upset with them or resentful or all worked up because like the basis is they just wanted to care about me. So that that's been a pretty powerful piece, piece of advice for me. Thank you, therapist. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. That's really great. Um, you, does that land with you as well? Do you see the same or do you yeah, see it a little different? Absolutely. No, I, I think that um, the, everybody wants to give you advice. And also, you know, everybody has is coming at it with their own ego, too. Um, and they want you to mm. take their advice. <laughs> and totally. Sometimes you have to just not, you know, just say thank you. and Just thank you. That's it. Yeah. Just thank you. <laughs> I exactly. hear you. Thank you. I hear yep. you. Thank you. I hear you. Thank you so much for caring yeah. about me. I hear, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's fantastic. I'm going to file that away. <laughs> Stacy, what's yours? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm going to file that away. <laughs> Stacey, what's yours? Okay. So I will say I don't have one single thing that somebody spoke you know, to me that felt like the thing. But I will say that when I was working at Detour and we were working, Andrew Mason was the CEO of Detour. And I spent a lot of time watching how he ran a team at this very high level in tech. And I learned so much about how not to let your own ego get in the way of where the best decision comes from. And sometimes the the right piece of advice and the right you know move to make doesn't come from where you expect it to come from and you have to be open to that so i i would sit in these meetings and and watch him run these meetings and be very egalitarian about it and it was really nice to know that this was a safe place from which you could offer ideas that maybe people would take and maybe they wouldn't but there was no judgment there that was a really important lesson for me and and how to take and value input from everybody, no matter where it comes from, and see whether there was something there that really was the right decision. Didn't Andrew Mason, wasn't he involved in other really significant tech companies? Or am I thinking of someone else? He was. Yeah, he founded Groupon. Okay. So I was going to say that, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot. (laughs) And I didn't want to say it out loud. I'm like, she's going to be like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here I have a tech podcast. And I totally said the wrong thing. I'm glad I was right. Yes. Now I wish I said it because I could have said it in my (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, Um, I'm like, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. That must have been so exciting to work for such a seasoned entrepreneur. Did it immediately become like a mentorship thing? Like, what does that look like? Or was it complete intimidation? Or was like, I got this, you got nothing on me? Like, what was the the experience for you in having someone of that caliber within your yeah. direct access regularly? Yeah, well, it was, I mean, I, I asked as many questions as I could ask, certainly. But I think what was wonderful about it was that, you know, he sort of recognized that for me and for the the other folks on the content team, that we were, you know, we were coming at this from a direction that he wasn't familiar with. And so he very, you know, honestly would ask us our opinion and ask us questions and have these conversations about how to produce content and and things like that. And and we could trade back and forth in that way. And it was, I think it was a wonderful idea exchange, really. And so being able to watch him lead a company and make decisions quickly and make decisions without emotion attached, I think was, was a really important lesson. I don't think that I necessarily can do that. But I watched, you know, him be able to divorce himself from the emotion of, you know, making decisions decisions around this company that he loved so much. I mean, you could tell, I mean, he poured his passion into it. He loved this product. He loved what we were doing. And yet when it was time to make really kind of harsh decisions and, and draw lines and things like that, it was just done. You know, there was no perseverating about it. And that was really inspiring to see because that's sort of how you have to operate. How, Stacey, how do you define being a leader for yourself? I think being a leader, being a manager, really, is is about making sure that everybody that you're working with feels heard and feels valued, I think, first and foremost, because that's the quickest way to get a, end up with a terrible product. You want to foster an environment where people feel safe to express ideas and to bring things to the table and to try things and experiment. And you also want to hold them to what they're obligated to do. But you want to give them freedom within that, especially creatives. I work with, you want to 
give them the room to run. A hundred percent. Um, one of my teammates told me recently on a call, and I was so moved by it. We were we had this funny moment, Stacey, where we were doing a, our team call, but one of our interns was on the team call, and I wanted to make it an opportunity for her to learn more about what she needed to learn. So I used the team call to serve her. It was very like avant-garde, whatever. Anyway, in because of because of how we did it, it ended up that someone else on my team, I asked if they'd be comfortable sharing an uncomfortable experience that they had with me. And what they shared with our intern was what made that uncomfortable experience so great and what makes the culture of my company so great is that I make it safe to have uncomfortable conversations. I was like, Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a huge achievement. I have worked for so many people who did not do that. And it was you know, wild. You end up, yeah, you end up in this like really bitter, horrible situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was, very, it was very meta. It was very, it was very yeah. meta. Like I was like, thank you for saying that as I'm on the call right now. <laughs> you know? Um another question that I asked, I, I it would be only my second time asking. I asked it earlier today and I really liked it. Um, was um, how do you define success? Not only how do you define success, how's your definition of success changed throughout the years? Like earlier in your career. What was success and then what is it now? So start with what is it now? Um, So for success today for us as a company that has investors, obviously we have some clear benchmarks that are going to qualify success. But I think being able to put our product out there into the world and have people appreciate it and get that kind of positive feedback and know that we have a place that we have carved out for ourselves, that is absolutely going to be success for us. For the three of us who founded frequency machine, being able to to do this as our first venture that's our own and have people appreciate it and be able to accomplish what we set out to accomplish, which was to own this particular niche of content. That's going to absolutely be success for us. And what was success earlier in your career? Um, success earlier for me was being able to continually ladder up from where I was. So every time I was able to to pull up to the next rung and to be able to move up in my career, you know, that was what I was continually striving for. It's interesting. So early on, success was more independent, like was more uh, professional, like career driven, and then success later on became more organizational. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I think that success now looks like more than just clearing the next hurdle. It's more about being able to accomplish the goal that we set out to accomplish and create something that people are really excited about and more so than just saying, okay, so I made it to the next step in this career that I've chosen. Totally. I love it. Stacey, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. I have two last questions. One is, what is your favorite book? So um, I would have to say my favorite book is actually Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, which is um, poetry, actually. And I have a selfish question because Mm -hmm. tools are my favorite thing. So uh, what software, hardware, website, mobile app is your is your favorite is the bee's knees for you? Mm. Which tech tool is is just like on fire? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Descript um, because we could not we could not work without it right now that yeah i'm i'm such a i i discovered descript a few years ago at uh, some conference and i was like what 
what? This is, and it was before they even honed in on podcasting. I'm like, you guys got to do the podcasting thing. So yeah, Descript is a very cool tool that I think, and I think it's been doing a whole podcasting. Their whole website is now podcasting. So yeah, it's exciting. Stacey, yeah. thank you so much. If there's one thing we could do to support you as a community, we have so many listeners. What would that ask be? Um, go to your favorite podcast app, download Passport, subscribe rate, review, listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show. We are excited about all the feedback we're getting and we're constantly trying to incorporate that into how we move forward. Speaking of, where can people find you? Frequencymachine.com is our website. Um, and on or, social and LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. Um, so Passport itself has uh, Instagram, but you can always reach me at Stacy at Frequencymachine.com. And can you spell your name for anybody that wants to find you on LinkedIn? Sure. Stacy Book, S-T-A-C-E-Y. B-O-O-K. Very easy. And for Passport, it's just P-A-S-S-P-O-R-T uh, for social handles? Our social handle is at Passport Podcast. Yep. I, I was like, if you got just at Passport, <laughs> I, that would be yeah. iconic. That would be It insane. would be amazing. Um, yes, no, one day, Stacey, one day, we will totally. enable you to have the Passport social handle. Stacey, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world. World. Remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. This is Stacey Book. I am the CEO and founder of Frequency Machine. We are a podcast network and distribution company based in Los Angeles. And you're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Damn Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind and her book is insanely well written right when I picked it up I didn't want to put it down she teaches me and us how to become the asset how to be our best selves and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves but creates an abundance of opportunity for others I'm so proud to share her book with you and I hope you'll pick it up and I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turned get it's about damn time at itsaboutdamntime.com. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, with help from Janice Geronimo, edited by Jorge Taracena, production and voiceover by Adam Carroll, community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran, and music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.